audience, and I want to welcome everybody here with the studio, here in the studio audience, and also those who are watching us live. Today's show topic is healing children's hearts. Now, I want you guys. I want to ask you guys a question. Would you guys agree with me that teachers are, in, are under a lot of pressure at school? Yes. Absolutely. When you think about the, the state, when you think about themselves, when you think about the parents, that's all that pressure that they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, let's think about it from a parent's perspective. They want, their, they want their kids to flourish. Wouldn't you guys agree? They take them to school. They want their kids to flourish and do well in school. And guess what? The teachers actually want the same flourishing th to happen. So that's one thing that we don't really consider when it comes to teachers is that the teachers have the same response that the parents do is that there's a common ground there is that they both want the kids to flourish. So what's the problem here? Where, where's the disconnect? We don't, we don't really understand and we don't take the time to actually really feel like or actually understand what the teachers actually have to teach through. It's not so much the classroom size, it's not so much the topic of discussion, it's not science, it's not math, it's not history, it's what emotion are they having to deal with that they're, that they're unaware of. Now what about, the, what about the kids? One thing that we don't know is that what do the kids come to school with? It's not so much their backpack, it's not so much their lunch, what emotion are they coming to school with? That is a big deal. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What does healing kids' hearts really mean to you? What does it mean, and how does it show up in our school system? So today we have the rare opportunity to have Ned Breslin, the CEO of Tennyson Center for Children, with us today to talk to us a little bit further as to what that really looks like in the school system. So please help us in giving, a, giving Ned a warm welcome to Executive Talk. How are you doing, Ned? Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's a real honor. So talk to us before we get into this topic. Give us a little bit more information as to how you got started. How did you end up here? Well, uh, I, as a kid, I was nomadic. So my father lived in eight or nine places, okay. so never really settled. Uh, went to university in upstate New York and had a professor from Somalia who saw something in me and decided to throw me into northern Kenya and see what happened. And so, and I loved it so much that I came back, convinced my girlfriend to marry me and my girlfriend's wife that we would only go for a couple years. And we went for 16 years. And okay. so I'm back in the good stead of my mother-in-law, thank goodness. But it took a long time. Um, we, we traveled through Africa. We lived in four countries. Uh, my wife did amazing work. Uh, with people in difficult circumstances, whether it was HIV AIDS, street children, or uh, women who were suffering from abuse. Um, I tended to focus more on water, sanitation, and nutrition, and with the idea of how do you invest in ways that unleash the time and talent of girls who are the water carriers of the world. Gotcha. Um, came back to the United States, worked at a great organization here in Denver, Colorado for about 10 years, and then worked with vets for a while. And recently came to Tennyson. And the common thread through it all has been um, kind of seeing beauty and potential in people that others sort of abandon and push aside. Awesome. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about the family breakdown first and foremost, because when you talk about seeing beauty, that, that's, that's a broad statement. Sure. But then when you talk about the family breakdown, what does that mean to you? How does that show up in the Tennyson Center? What do you see? Well, the Tennyson Center, just real quick background, Tennyson sure. Center, uh, for Children was founded in 1904 by um, a group of people from a church called the Disciples of Christ. Okay. And that DNA runs through us to this day. 
Um, They, like Jesus, saw people who were being abandoned and left behind and felt that, no, these are special people, and they brought them in. And again, that is something that we have continued to do. We basically have two sets of uh, kids that we work with. So we work with kids from 5 to 18 years old. Okay. And uh, we either work with kids who are experiencing trauma from extreme abuse and neglect, Mm. or kids who are on the autism spectrum and have other challenges like depression or anxiety and things like that. Um, Society tends to say, can't deal with them, it's too hard all that, and we say no. We will embrace them and see their beauty and power and unlock that and leash it and integrate them back into society. So that's what we've been doing since 1904, 1904. and it's really powerful. Um, What we're seeing at Tennyson is, you know, all the stresses you talked about exactly in your introduction. You know, families are under immense stress. There are a lot of really good families who decide that the way to deal with that stress is not to take it out on your child. Uh, there are a lot of families who are dealing with extreme stress and they're deciding not to um, go into kind of drug or an alcohol abuse and then unleash their stress on their children. Uh, but unfortunately in the United States there are a lot of families that don't make that choice. And so we are seeing um, the consequences of the stressful situation you're talking about sure. and decades of kind of hiding abuse and neglect from the public. and. Um, and we're getting kids all the time, us and others like us, who society has abandoned and whose families have abandoned them. And we are trying to help them stand again. Now, do you feel like this is just a, just a general area issue? Or do you think this is more, more widespread than what we're f- fully aware of? Well, I, look, I think it would be safe to say that the number of kids that fall into trouble or get connected with the Child Protective Services or get flagged at schools is probably a fraction of the kids who are actually really in trouble. A lot of families, um, and I I can speak of this from personal experience, a lot of families really lock down on kids and say you cannot show what's happening here. If you do, you disgrace the family and you're going to get beaten, abused if you do it. So you have to kind of maintain a an upright position and kind of get through your day. Um, it's a global problem. It is a challenge we're facing as a society, but I do think one positive is, I think we're starting to see the kids can find ways to speak out that people are hearing now. And I don't think that was true 20, 30 years ago. Sure. I know a lot of people who were in front of teachers and told that they were being abused or that their father did inappropriate things to them. And teachers said, mm, you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't believe it. I think now we're living in a, in a society that rightly is listening to children a bit more. Could it be better? Yes. But we're starting to hear these kids. And when we really listen, it's unfortunately more than we think. Gotcha. Okay. I want to take you guys to a scripture right here and see what you think. And then I want your input on it. And it's Exodus 20, 12. Honor your mother and father so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Mm -hmm. How does that resonate with what you see at the school? Well, I I can tell you that we see situations of kids whose parents have done awful things or who have been put in awful situations and what do they still want? They still want their parents. That's right. right? That's right. And, you know, I, I, you and I were talking earlier. One of my best friends in college, his, you know, we were in a very poor part of upstate New York. 
and every single night she his his mom was a social worker and they would never let her go to a family's house at night because you you never know sure. by herself so my my best friend would go with her and he told me all the time about going into houses and there's a kid with a broken arm and a black eye and standing in front of his drunk father mm. and screaming at my best friend's mom saying, get away from my dad, get away from my dad. So I think, you know, we all want good parents and there are many good parents. Let's, you know, when sure. we talk about dark things, let's remember there are a lot of really great role models of parents who deal with challenges and stress without taking it out on kids. And that's a beautiful thing. But um, if that is torn from you, and if you are no longer with your parents, you spend a lot of time trying to find a family, find someone who will love you, find someone who will care. And it's very hard, I think emotionally, it's very hard to sit back and one day say, you know, my mom's just not there for me. I mean, mm. that's brutal. Yeah. So this passage is extremely powerful, and I think it's the sentiment of all of us. Um, but we're seeing families that that just doesn't work. And we're seeing kids torn, really torn, by losing that protection, that safety, that love, or maybe even never having it. That's right, that's right. And so do you mind if I address Please. it a little bit? You yes. know, when you guys think about it from a biblical perspective, um, obviously we're bringing up a scripture here, but consider this. Consider this is a child's first introduction to love. Yeah. This whole 18 years of being with your parents is the first introduction. So when we think about divorce, it's one of those things that we think, oh, those parents got a divorce. Think about the impact of that, of that child. It's showing up. And for a lot of us, when we think about when we are tracked back to repentance, this is one of the places we have to revisit. If we're still having any pain back from when we're a child, this is still showing up in our adulthood. So this thing is, a, this scripture is very huge. This is one of the enemy's first attacks on children is if you can, instead of honor, it would be dishonor your parents. So that's exactly how he wants to manipulate the scripture for, the, for children. And this is why this, that's why I wanted to show this particular scripture. I want to take you guys to another one because Ned and I, we had a conversation about this and we have a, we have a couple of different perspectives. So I want you guys we to <laughs> check this out. Proverbs 20, 22, 15. Folly is, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Talk to me, Nick. Well, I, I, you know, we talked about this a lot. The rod of discipline part is what, you know, is what I struggle with. I, I struggle with, um, look, kids are kids. Kids can be naughty. Kids can do things that they don't understand. Kids also, you know, part of growing up is pushing boundaries and trying new things and experimenting and, you know, dancing in the rain, right? You know, but <laughs> right. I think I think that, you know, there's a way to handle things. And, and for me, you know, the, the real, you know, Jesus did amazing, you know, for all the reasons we love Jesus, right? Absolutely. But I mean, he was violently nonviolent, right? If, if I can say that, right? He was passionately nonviolent. And I think, I think we have a situation where too many people, when kids are doing things they don't like or, or whatever, right? will turn to the rod very quickly. And I, I have a hard time with a 200-pound man, you know, beating up on a 70-pound kid, sure. you know, because he, you know, colored on the wall, 
right? right? So, so this is my only piece of paper because last <laughs> week, you know, I had, it was fascinating, you know, one of my prayers was actually this, and I like this better. Okay. So, okay, so it's Paul talking to the Galatians. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Mm. And I think that's right. I think we need, look, we need a society that understands that there are different ways to discipline, right? But disciplining violently, sexually, emotionally, in any of those ways, it's just not accepted. Absolutely. It's just not accepted. And I think, and I believe very strongly, Jesus would be standing right here on that side and, and tell us all to put the rod away. Absolutely. Yeah? You think so too? I think so too. And uh, you, when you think about this, the word discipline stands out the most. Right. Okay? Because when you think about it, this is part of your faith and obedience walk. Hmm. So your interpretation as a kid to discipline, if it's skewed here as an adult, what do you think is going to show up? It's going to be skewed as an adult because your relationship with Jesus is going to be totally different. You know, discipline is painful. It's abusive. And so when you think about that perspective, again, this is another issue that comes hard, hardcore on a child to make sure that that faith and obedience walk does not happen. So you got to understand the enemy, he's, he's, he's very slick. And so we have to really think about that. So I appreciate absolutely as yeah. to where you're coming from on that. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, the thing about Jesus that I have always loved is he always asked us to go beyond, right? So don't walk a mile, walk two. Don't give your shirt, give your cloak as well. You know, don't give loudly, give quietly. Mm. Pray, yes. don't pray loudly, pray quietly. The, the benefits are there. And I think, I think there's something in this. It's like discipline through leadership and mentorship, That's right. right? As opposed to using your hand or a belt. That's right. And again, I think Jesus would be hanging with me on that one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's why we love this guy, right? <laughs> All right, so talk to us about the manifestation. How do you, how is this showing up in the school? And again, with yeah. the kids to the teacher uh, relationship. Yeah, so listen, I walked down, I wa I, I've said this since I joined Tennyson, I walked down the halls of Tennyson. It's, it's a building that uses multiple ways. It's, a, it's, a, it's an organization, a community that uses multiple techniques and multiple ways to help kids heal, right? And so kids are in different places. Their healing journeys are fundamentally different. Um, and what I see is as kids wrestle with hmm. the consequences of their abuse, and the consequences of their neglect, and the consequences of their abandonment. Yes. Right? Yes. As they wrestle with that, sometimes that is running, sometimes that's punching a wall, sometimes that's a range of things. You know, they're wrestling with it. And when I, what I see at Tennyson, which is truly remarkable, is I'll walk down the hall and I'll see a kid who is in that wrestling, and I'll see one or two adults, clinicians, you know, YT, you know coordinators, and all these different people with them, holding the space for them to go through that, knowing that that is really important and that through that you can get to a different place. It's probably the first time for some of these kids, it's probably the first time that adult has sat there and said, I'm going to love you no matter what. I'm going to love you no matter what because I believe in you. That's right. And that is, that is the power of Tennyson, in my opinion, is we have staff... And we have, whether, whether they're 
working, you know, to, to build the organization from a funding point of view or, you know, account for our finances or direct line staff. They, everyone is 100% dedicated to that kid's healing and will hold the space in their worst moments. And so that is, to me, that is God's work. Amen. That is absolutely Amen. God's work. That's it. And so when you think about it, think about the public schools. They're not allowed to go that direction, not even a little bit. Okay, if it even looks like, uh, you know, outside of the bounds of what, um, what the state has required for teachers to do, that teacher's in trouble. So a lot, of the, a lot of the teacher just has to push through all that stuff, and that's wear and tear on the teacher as well. So the fact that you guys are able to really dig deep and really give these kids a second chance, and that second chance is purpose. That's a huge. That's a huge thing. So thank and you. And the, the teachers at Tennyson do an amazing job. I mean, we are we are basically keeping kids on an educational track while we, we deal with, you know, the consequences of their trauma, and that that is that is a real gift. That yes. is a real gift. So schools are coming to us now, and they're saying, "Can you help us? Can you help us build this in our schools? Can you help us with a handful of students who, you know, like you said in the intro, we just." We are not equipped to do this. And, you know, my view is teachers, like you said in your intro, teachers are sort of blamed for every problem under the sun, <laughs> right? Problem. That's right. It's crazy. Yeah. We're, we're asking teachers to do things that are not reasonable, That's right. right? And so Tennyson is a really good partner with schools, really good partner with teachers, a really good partner with families who need that help to keep their kids moving in the right direction. That's wonderful. Yeah. So... How does abuse affect us on a whole? Well, abuse affects us in lots of ways. I mean, if you want to just go down to the jail and talk about all the people who are in jail because they were abandoned, abused, neglected, and, you know, not shown a path, I'll go on that walk with you, and it won't be pretty. Right. Um, our healthcare system, you know, which is hot in the news now and all that, we have... A healthcare system that is constantly called upon, yes. constantly called upon for kids in crisis. That is a huge cost to society. That's a huge cost to these institutions. So that ripples out. We have, you know, first responders like the police who have also a fairly unreasonable job at times, and they are being called into these situations as well for all the, re you know, thank God they're there, right? But we see, we see the ripple effects of abuse and neglect, hmm. and we think that you have to shine the light on this because what we tend to do is we try to hide the abuse and neglect, we try to pretend it's not there, or we talk about it as someone over there or some other problem. Right. It's right in our communities, right. and it ripples through our society, and it costs hundreds of billions of dollars in... You know, I, I say often, pay now or pay later. Oh, I mean, right. and that's I'm not right. trying to be crass about it, but either intervene when kids are young and we can actually help them get on a better path, or you're going to deal with it as an adult. That's right. It's that simple. That's right. That's right. So then how does the Tennyson Center heal? Give us like one staple that you guys just really pride yourselves on. I think that I think the one thing that Tennyson does remarkably well is we understand that every kid's healing journey is different. Mm. And so we customize all of our work to the particular needs of that child. So you may have a particular challenge. We're going to build a kind of 
network and and program of support around you to help you heal okay. might be fundamentally different from my journey sure right and so I am I am constantly impressed with the customization that occurs you know we're dealing with kids as young as five as old as 18 there's a lot of nuance in there right yes, yes. there's a lot of nuance. just just Forget about the abuse and neglect. That journey alone is hard enough. Right. You add that in, you have to come up with different solutions. So we have remarkable clinicians, remarkable social workers, remarkable teachers, remarkable staff who can look at the kid, see their heart, see the challenges they're facing, and help them find a pathway out. And it's different for every kid. Gotcha. It's truly remarkable. It's wonderful. You know, mm -hmm. um, one thing I would like to do here is actually address the studio audience real quick and see if we have sure. any questions. And there's a couple of scriptures I want to end the show with, so that way you guys can take an, a deeper look and you can address that sure. as well. But let's see if our studio audience has any questions or any comments. Is... Okay, sir, thank you. Hi there. Thanks for, uh, for sharing all the stuff about Tennyson Center. Um, it was mentioned earlier uh, uh, about how big the problem is and that it's a global problem. Um, and, and you mentioned a little bit about the schools. Uh, what are some of the partnerships and stuff that Tennyson Center is going to do or is it going to do? No, that's a great question. I think, a good question. I think what we're trying to do, we're about to launch a new strategic plan um, where we sit back and we say, you know what, uh, we've historically been pretty concentrated in Denver. Okay. And uh, there are a lot of role players in Denver, uh, government, agencies, schools, different service providers like Tennyson, and we all play a part. But what are we doing for kids on the Eastern Plains in Colorado? What are we doing up in the mountains? What are we doing uh, along the Front Range in places that aren't quite so big as Denver? And, and so one of the things that we're doing is we're looking for unique partnerships now with counties to start to model out what would it look like if we took a county on the east, uh, in the Eastern Plains and basically said, we're going to work in a way with government, with schools, so that not a single abused, neglected, or traumatized kid is lost. We're gonna find a way to use the capacity that exists, we're gonna augment it as we can, and let's see if we can create totally new story arcs okay. in these counties. And then if we can pull it off in a couple counties, right, maybe other counties will say, ooh, I want that too, or we could do that too. And so we're hoping to kind of light a fire through practice, through you know, really relentless focus on no one being ab abandoned, okay. no child being abandoned. I love it. And pull in unusual allies okay. to, to make that happen. <laughs> Tell me what you feel about this scripture. Matthew 19, 13, 14. Oh, this is my favorite. This is your favorite. Yes. <laughs> 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 then people brought little children to Jesus mm -hmm. for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me mm -hmm. and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. What does that mean to you? Uh, it means a lot of things. So I, I, th this is one of my, I, I actually was at uh, Disciples of Christ Church last week, and I literally talked about this, this passage, which is amazing. Um, yeah, I, you can imagine, right? It's, it's hot. It's dusty. Jesus has been working all day. He's healing. He's helping people. He's guiding them. You know, he's, he's a busy guy, right? And all of a sudden, these kids start running, and the disciples are like, come on. You know, we got to, like, move on to the next town. And, and I love that Jesus says, no, 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 no. 
bring them. He embraces them. And I think that is, again, that's the ethos of Tennyson yes. that has been there since its founding. The other part about it, which I really love, is Jesus saw them. Mm. And that is the real power of organizations like Tennyson who will not pretend it, they don't exist. For a lot of kids, you know, and I, I mentioned this earlier, for a lot of kids, like, having someone believe in you is huge. That's right. It's huge, particularly if your family is disintegrated, particularly if your mother and father have abandoned you, you know? So who better than Jesus to go, actually, I see you? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we're really trying at Tennyson to be, to bring this alive. Yes. That you matter. doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter how tired we are. You can come. We will embrace you. I love it. Yeah. I love it. That's what we try to live. So I want you to think about this. So you got the studio audience out there watching you right now. Yes, sir. They want to know how they can help. And we have the people here with us and also those watching online. How can they help you guys going forward and what kind of support are you, do you need from them? So I think there's a couple things. I think as, you know, first of all, please check us out at, at the Tennyson Center. You can find us on the web, on social media, on a whole range of things. I think be part of the movement that says to children, we will not leave you behind. Be part of the movement that says that when a kid is really struggling, that we will intervene in an appropriate way to right that wrong. Because it not only matters for the kid, it matters for society, and it's frankly what we were taught through the Bible. That's right. I want to leave you guys with this thought as well. A child's heart. The, first, the, the most important part of a kid's life and journey is why. It's not are we there yet. That's one of those just annoying questions as you're driving yes. and <laughs> stop. <laughs> just stop and go, go to sleep, whatever. <laughs> but you say it with gentleness. Yeah, with gentleness, right. with love, <laughs> go to with sleep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but why? You guys, you guys hear kids answer or ask you why? Why does it do this? Why? Why should I do this? Why, 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 why? Even as an adult, I'm sure everybody can, why? Why am I going through this? What's the purpose? Why is a constant question that goes out through every person's life? And it starts as a little kid. So the way to actually interrupt a kid's life is to stop that purpose, to close that, to close that purpose. If, I, if, I, if I'm a kid and I have a hardened heart, that means my purpose is already at risk. That means I lost all reason why I'm going forward. I just pushed through. And what's amazing about people is that we can all push through some weird things in our lives and we can still turn up as adults and we'll just still manifest and show up then. Hmm. Think about it from this perspective. The thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. Where the enemy flourishes in a kid's life is through deterioration. That's what abuse actually shows up. It's the, de the deterioration of love, of that connection. And for what the Tennyson Center does is above all else, if you bring purpose back into a kid's heart, that is a big deal. That's almost like a second chance as a little kid. And you don't even know, that kid doesn't even know that they need it. That's why support for the Tennyson Center, I'm asking all business owners and everybody out here that's watching mm -hmm. to figure out a way that we can come down and volunteer yeah, and us. do whatever we can to actually help the Tennyson Center flourish and keep on doing what, doing what they're doing. Our society is at risk because of this. 
This is important. When we complain about millennials, well, it has to start from somewhere. <laughs> right? I'm not going there. You're not going there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about it on this show. <laughs> no. But no. thank you so much, Ned, for your thank information you. today. And thank you for uh, the introduction to the Tennyson Center and what it means and what we can do. I want everybody to follow a conversation here on Executive Talk, Facebook, Twitter, also LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, Ned and I, we actually have to get back to work. So you guys have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.